quite uh, vividly the, the birth of our first grandchild, Devin. How, how old is Devin, Rita? 11. I don't remember these kind of things. 11, 12, something like that. Be 12, May, March 12th. I do March 10th, right? March 10th, it'll be 12. Um, but I remember, <laughs> that's real. I did have a son born on March 12th. Um, now, where was I? So my grandson, first grandson born, and and when Crystal was out, she was pregnant. It was just a few months into that pregnancy, and she she contacted us and said, "Hey, I want you guys there when when the baby's born." Of course, we were didn't really expect an invitation. We were planning on being there, but she did invite us, and 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 uh, so we had made arrangements around the due date that we would be there. And then we found out later on, or she found out that if she didn't have it at a certain time, they were going to induce. So that made it easier. We'd schedule our time off and made our trip up to Iowa the day before she was to go in the hospital. We got there and and uh, uh, was there that morning, and, and we were there, and shortly after we arrived, Nick's parents, her husband, my son-in-law's, his parents arrived there, and so we're all there uh, as as the big event's supposed to happen, but uh, as things progressed, Crystal really didn't, um, uh, and, and it became obvious about halfway through the day that this probably wasn't going to happen naturally. And, and so later in the afternoon, more people had arrived. Nick's two sisters that live in the area had arrived with their husbands. And so we were all around there. Finally, the doctors came in and said, hey, we're going to have to do a, a C-section. Or it, look, it looks like we're going to have to do that C-section. And, and so we're all in the room. And Crystal, and once she got this in her head, there was no taking it out of her head. Crystal piped up and said, someone needs to go home and let the dogs out. She had two dogs at home, Faith and Champ, um, and they'd been in the house. And that's the only thing that was consuming her was someone's got to let the dog. They'd been in the house all, and this was later in the afternoon by now, they'd been in the house all day long. And so she said it kind of with, with some urgency, but no one really responded. No one said anything. I think Nick probably said, they'll be fine. We can clean up the mess. And, and uh, uh, But no one no one offered. And, and, and it was a couple times later that Crystal... And the last time, Crystal, I mean, she was with tears in her eyes. Someone's got to go home and let the let the dogs out. And and I looked around the room, and and uh, Nick's sisters, and, and they were the ones that I thought should have done it. I mean, they are one level below grandparents. And uh, and and I I looked over, and one of them got up and walked out of the room. The other one pretended to be talking to her husband. Uh, and, and Nick's parents just stood staring. And finally, Crystal, literally with tears in her eyes, looked at us and said, Mom, Dad, will you go let the dogs out? And, uh, and so we did. <laughs> uh, and we, we, we drove uh, home to let the, the dogs, uh, uh, let the dogs out. The, the people there, family members, and in fact, after Devin was born, there was, there was other family members, cousins and great aunts and uncles and, co-workers and friends, this whole parade of people that came uh, to the hospital uh, to, to, to see the, the birth of our grandson. Now, my grandson, Devin, is a, a pretty cool kid. He's, he, he's a sharp-looking kid. He's a really good-looking kid. Going to be a, a decent athlete. Uh, his dad was a good athlete. I think Devin's going to be a great athlete. Uh, now, he can be kind of honorary, but he really is basically a good kid. But you know what? He really is about like some of your kids and, and your grandkids. He's okay, but, but he's just like about everyone else. Uh, now, now I'm sure your stories about the birth of your children and grandchildren are the same. Whether it's your first grandchild or your 14th, whether it's your 
first child or your fourth. Your stories are probably similar. When when it happened, there were grandparents there and aunts and uncles and cousins and, and all sorts of people. But have you noticed, and I'm sure you, you have, we know the story. Uh, have you noticed that when Jesus was born, there were none of those people there? There were no... Uh, there were no doting grandparents, no proud aunts and uncles, no cousins fighting over who got to hold the little baby. The most pivotal moment in all of history, the most important birth in, in all of mankind, God sending His Son, entering, entering the world through, the, through, through a virgin uh, so that He could live, tempted as we are yet without sin, so they could go to the cross and off the greatest sacrifice of all sacrifice, the, the most pivotal moment of all of history, and no one was there. The greatest gift given to us at all time. And who was invited? Who was invited? We're going to look this morning um, at, at the story of Christmas. You're going to know, we'll, we'll glance at a couple of the, the verses that, that deal with it. You're going to know these these stories, but but what I find fascinating is the ones that were invited. Now, now obviously, when they were born, there was no one there uh, at, at that time. But who was invited? Let's let's look at three groups. Here's the first group: the not so the not so obvious ones. Uh, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter two. You know the you know the story. I mean, let me just read a couple verses there. Let me start with verse four. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. The the, the first person that was there, the, the first not so obvious it was obvious but but not so in another way were the parents now obviously you have to have the parents at least mary was definitely going to have to to be there but it's kind of a, a a a not so obvious because of who the parents were there was there actually was nothing at all special about mary and joseph mary was just a poor young teenage girl that that, that really didn't have a whole lot to offer. Joseph was just a guy. Had, had a menial job as a carpenter. Carpenter day is, you know, is a great profession. But back then, it, it really, you just scratched out a living. And, and so there was nothing special about Joseph. In fact, had it not been for the fact that they were the, the parents of Jesus, history would not even remember who Mary and Joseph were. I remember specifically this last Memorial Day. That, that Sunday, I was drive, we were driving up uh, here to church at Troy, and on the way, I drove by three different cemeteries, two in uh, Atchison, one out here in Troy. And, and as I drove by, I looked over and, at the cemeteries, and, and, and you notice that those times of the year, Fourth of July, same, sometimes Labor Day, th- there were flowers all over the cemeteries, and flags, and different little flyy things, all kinds of cool stuff as you drove by, because people had remembered their loved ones. They remembered their moms or their dads or their grandparents or brothers and sisters and aunts, they, and had decorated the, the graves. I noticed that, but you know the other thing I noticed? I noticed the ones that weren't decorated. And I couldn't help but think, I wonder why. Probably a couple easy answers. Uh, 
maybe family had all moved away and there wasn't anyone. Maybe they, they were old graves and the family had all died or whatever, but, but, but there were some that weren't. And later that afternoon when I got home, I, I ended up taking a walk up behind our house, up into the, into the bluffs behind Rushville. And, 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 and right above Rushville, right above Rushville, there's an old cemetery. I had found it years ago walking up an old cemetery that has long since been abandoned. And, and I walked up there specifically thinking, I wonder if I, I hadn't been there in years, I, wondering if I could find it, which, which I did. And this old cemetery, and it wasn't very big, but maybe about the size of half of our church here, uh, probably just a family cemetery, but, but there were still a few stones setting up, a lot of them laid down. It was overgrown with ivy and all kinds of brush, and some of the stones were so weathered and so worn, you couldn't even see the names or the dates. But you know what, there wasn't a single grave that was was decorated that day. All of them had long since been forgotten. Mary and Joseph, Mary and Joseph were were just common people. No one would remember them if it wasn't for this. So they were the not so obvious choice to be the parents of the Christ child. There was nothing special about them except for their willingness to obey. Uh, to do something that didn't make sense, to do something that scared them to their core, to do something that they couldn't explain, to do something that required for them a great step of faith. Now, now had, had the, the mother and, had the mother of the Christ child been the, the high priest's daughter, now that would have made news. That, that would have made sense, wouldn't it? If the high priest's daughter had, had been the virgin mother of the Christ child, man, the, all of, uh, of Israel would have got excited about this. They, they would have pr- announced it from the temple. Everyone would have been there. It would have been a time of celebration. That would have made sense, the, the, the mother being the daughter of the high priest. And if not the high priest, maybe a Pharisee or a Sadducee or, or just some type of religious leader. That would have made sense to have, have that be the one who was the mother. Uh, I was about three weeks ago, Reed and I were in, uh, uh, in uh, uh, Sam's Club, um, look, looking actually going there to buy a TV. So uh, I lost uh, Wanda. Wanda's here somewhere. We saw Wanda that day. You and your husband were doing the same thing, and we ran into some some friends of our, David and, and Dana Skaggs, and we got talking to them. And their their two sons, their their second and third son, uh, Hunter and Christian, were standing there visiting with them, and, and and we got talking. I don't even know how it came up, and but something was said about who Hunter, who's a senior at Mid Buchanan High School, who Hunter was dating. Hunter's about six foot five. Those of you who went to Mexico, uh, you remember the Skaggs fame. Hunter's about six foot five, a great, great athlete, great basketball player. In fact, he's going to Mo Western, not on a basketball scholarship, but a track scholarship. He's a high jumper. Can high jump about six six or six seven. It's amazing. And Hunter, they're saying there, they begin talking about who he's dating. Hunter's dating a girl named Jill, uh, Jillian Rump. Uh, and Jillian is a senior at Midbuck High School and plays basketball. Just signed a scholarship to play at Mo West Basketball. And I said, you're dating Jillian? Why? And, and I, we know the family. Her grandmother used to go to church at Rushville. And, and we, we know them. And I, why? and I looked at Dave and I said, Dave, if they get married and have kids, their kids are going to be great athletes. I looked at Rita and she kind of rolled her eyes at me. And I looked at Dave and she kind of rolled her eyes at me. And I looked at Hunter and he was looking down, and, but I'm sure he's rolling. And I looked at Dave and Dave, I've already thought about that. <laughs> so, so if we were going to pick, if we were going to pick the, the parents, the obvious, 
the obvious one that was going to be their parents, it, it wouldn't have been Mary and Joseph. The the second thing, and this it really doesn't fit, but I'm, I'm going to make it fit. Uh, the the not so obvious that was there that was invited. It's not so obvious because actually they weren't invited, and that was the pious. You you would have thought that at the birth of Jesus there would have been the pious. There would have been the ones, the the religious leaders, as I mentioned, the high priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the ones who had been looking for the, the Messiah's birth, the ones who had been talking about it and teaching about it and thinking about it, that, that had been about what their life was about. They had professed to be close to God. They had been setting themselves up uh, in, in religious and, and in society as the ones who you would have thought, you would have thought it would have been the pious when Jesus was born, they would have been there to salute it and celebrate and to worship. And But one thing that is, is so obvious, is so glaring about the birth of Christ is that the pious weren't invited. Now, now, now we see the obvious or the not so obvious. Obviously, the parents there, it's not so obvious because the pious, the ones that were talking about it and, and studying about it weren't there, but but we also see who was there, and it was the odd. Uh, if you have your Bibles there in Luke chapter 2 again, uh, verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now you know the story. An angel came, and, and it says they were they were sore afraid. Uh, they were terrified. They, they, they couldn't believe that the, the, the angel announced that uh, in Bethlehem the child, Christ child was going to be born, and then... Uh, then just to make sure they were really good and scared, a choir of angels showed up and started singing and, and, and boy, they were, uh, they were terrified. They were, but excited at the same time. But how odd that the announcement came to them that the first ones to see the Christ child, except for, for Mary and Joseph and some goats and some sheep and some cows possibly. The first one to see it were these shepherds. Because you know what? They weren't looking. The, the pious were looking for the Messiah. It had been part of their teaching, their hope, their very lives. It really was their job to be focusing on when the Messiah was going to come and redeem Israel. They were looking for it, but they weren't invited. Uh, even the common folk was looking for the coming of uh, of the Christ. They, the ones that were active in the synagogue, that were keeping the traditions, the, the festivals and the feasts, they had heard the teachers of the law. They, they were excited about the, the Messiah. They were looking for the Messiah. They couldn't wait for the Messiah. So the common folk was looking for the Messiah. Not, not unlike the first century believers. The first century believers were looking for Jesus to come back. In fact, they greeted one another with an Aramaic word, Maranatha, which means, oh, come Lord. And, and and not so much different than us. Don't we look for the coming of Jesus? Man, we look at our world around us and, and, and we see the, the evilness and the ungodliness and, and things falling apart. And, and don't we sometimes say, man, I wish the Lord would come back. And don't we sometimes look at the events that are taking place and say, man, the end is near. Jesus can't tarry much longer. We're just like they were. At the, at the time of Christ's birth, there were a lot of people who were looking for, who were longing for, who were living in anticipation of the coming Messiah. There were lots of people who it was their dream, it was their desire, it was their driving motivation that the Messiah would come. There were ones who were holding on to the promise and hoping in the deliverance, crying for help from God. And 
and hoping for happiness when the Messiah came. There are a lot of people looking for Jesus. But the shepherds weren't weren't one of them. Now it doesn't mean the shepherds hadn't heard of the prophecies and doesn't mean they didn't have some concept of who the Messiah was. But these these shepherds out on a hillside outside Bethlehem weren't the type to spend much time debating spiritual matters. They didn't spend much time sharing their ideas on religious thought. You know what did concern them? What, what did concern them was just making it through another day. What did concern them was getting by. These uneducated men with little money, with little opportunity, with quite frankly little hope, probably weren't thinking about him. They weren't looking for a Messiah. So laying on the hillside outside Bethlehem that night, listening to the sounds of the sheep, scanning the darkness for potential threats, the last thing on their minds was the coming Messiah. Truth is, they couldn't allow their minds to wander to hopes and dreams of something that was big, that was important, that was that defining. Last Friday, um, we were in uh, in Juarez. We had we'd taken gifts across all day long on Friday, and we're making our last trip back across the border uh, into the U.S. It was about five o'clock or five thirty. We were sitting at the border in Santa Teresa, waiting to go back into uh, into the U.S. side. And we didn't have too long a wait, probably about a twenty minute wait to to get back into the U.S. But as we pulled up to the uh, to the border and sat there in line, the, uh, and this is something you, you see at the border every time, there were Mexicans that were we're walking through the traffic. And, and and they walk through trying to sell you stuff. Sometimes they sell food, they sell little trinkets, they're trying to sell CDs. I'm sure they were they weren't copies of anything. DVD, you can buy all kinds of sorts of stuff, but but they walk through up and down the, the lines breathing all that that exhaust trying to sell stuff and and and, and as they walk through you you'd see them and sometimes we'd you know we you try to help sometimes you don't and um that that day, as we got to the border, we had just finished eating. We had, uh, when we left Pastor Hector's church, his wife had made us a, a quick meal: some uh, 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 some flautas and rice. Bobby, it was really good. Uh, <laughs> some flautas and rice. But the reality is, even though we hadn't eaten since eight o'clock that morning, and we had been in that van for almost twenty-seven, twenty-eight hours at that time, we we really weren't hungry. And she gave us this food, and and there there it was really good, but. But we really didn't eat it all. I ate a couple of the flowers and part of my rice. And one of our guys, Kelly, that was with us, took food, but he won't eat anything in Mexico because he got sick one time. So, but I said, go ahead and take it, Kelly. We'll eat it. But we didn't, no one was hungry. And so we're sitting there and, and there's a guy that comes walking up with this little girl and she's just the cutest little sweetie thing. And they're, they're selling candies that I didn't want, but I rolled the window down and I gave her a dollar. And, uh, as she walked by, I looked down on my lap was my plate that, wasn't finished and I, I, I rolled the window back down again and hollered amigo amigo and he comes running up with a little girl and I hand him my plate that had a little bit of rice and some flowers on it I said get us or do you want and he, he took it and, and headed on down and a little bit later we, we looked and we had another plate well actually it was part two or three partial plates and so we handed all the plates and took all the rice onto one and all the flowers and, and Gary that was with us arranged them so that it looked nice and there's a Another lady walking down, she had a baby strapped to, to her chest, and as she was walking, I, I rolled the window down, and Kiatis, you want? And she took it, and, now I'd love to say that, 
that it just was warming our hearts to help out. And that's partially true. Um, partly I didn't want to waste food that Pastor Hector, so I felt good that I wasn't wasting food. I thought, hey, they'll take it. And part of me was thinking, man, we got the trash out of the van, uh, quite honestly. But we pulled up a couple slots further, and I looked over and I saw the second lady, that I, the young mother. She was laying over with another lady, and there was a small child, a little toddler with them, and they were eating the flautas. And I saw, I watched as she took the fork and fed the rice to that little toddler. And all of a sudden, I was just overcome with, and I don't know what the, uh, humility, but it wasn't really humility. It was almost a sadness. And I ended up looking to the, the, uh, the rest of our group in the car, and I said, guys, would we take used food out of the window of a car from someone from another country? There's no way we would take food out like that. And yet they took it out and were thrilled to have it. And I thought, you know what, those, those people, that, that father and that little girl and that, that, that young lady was just like the shepherds. I doubt that they had spent their time walking up and down the aisles between cars debating about the spiritual implications of the coming Christmas day a few days or a week later. I doubt that they'd been talking about the, the meaning of what it was that Christ came. You know what they were worrying about? Was how am I going to feed my babies? How am I going to put food on my, t-? that's what was in their mind. And, and so the, the shepherds, the ones that were called to see Jesus first, the ones that, that got to worship him first, weren't even looking for the coming Messiah. But they were left. They were left, two, two things. They were left fearful. Uh, the, the scripture tells us when the angel appeared, they were scared, they were scared to death. Now, now I wonder why God I wonder why God chose the, the shepherds. I, I, we can speculate. I, maybe he was thinking, well, David was a shepherd, and he, David, through my inspiration, wrote that beautiful 23rd Psalm, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and maybe he was thinking, later on, Jesus is going to say, I am the good shepherd. And So maybe God's thinking, shepherds, that's who I will send. I don't know what it was. I, I doubt that is why. But the angels appeared. There's really two options when an angel appears. Two responses. You're, you're going to be in awe. Uh, anyone had an angel appear to you? Even if you do, you may not admit it because uh, people are going to look funny at you. I've never had an angel appear to me that I know. Scripture says they appear unaware, so maybe that's happened to me before. But but if one ever appeared to me, you know, I'm going to do things. I'm going to be in awe. I'm going to be like, wow, that's really cool. Or I'm going to wet myself. It's really just that, it's that easy. The shepherds wet themselves. They were scared to death. They were fearful when God chose them, but they were left also faithful. The passage goes on, and, and after the angels, the choir of angels left, it said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Mary and Joseph must have heard the commotion when the shepherds arrived, because I doubt they arrived very quietly. I'm sure there was, there, there was noise, and they were, they were excited, and they, they were telling jokes. I, I imagine they, they made a commotion, and, and, and as Mary and Joseph in Side the, the stable, which probably actually was a cave more than likely. They heard the commotion. I imagine they must have thought, wow, finally someone's showing up. Cause, cause the things hadn't worked out exactly how they thought. They knew they were having the Christ child. I weren't, I doubt that they were expecting that they were going to be where they were having the baby, no one else around. So they probably were excited. Finally, the Lord has showed up. And when they look out, it's a bunch of dirty shepherds that are there. But, but they got excited. 
the scripture goes on in, in uh, verses 16 to 20 and says the, the shepherds got excited and told everyone and everyone got excited. They went away rejoicing because they were the ones that were chosen. It was odd. God chose shepherds. And, and then finally the last group is the, of course, the of course ones showed up. The, the, the wise men, call them what you will, wise men, magi, uh, we three kings, pick your favorite, uh, a Christmas carol to sing. The, the, finally someone that kind of fit the bill showed up. Now, now who cares that it, and this is gonna, gonna kind of mess up your, your theory and it does, it messes up our, our Christmas play. They showed up not the night Jesus was born, but probably a year to two years later. Cause, uh, Matthew says they showed up at the house. They saw him at the house and, and, and it, it was, Probably at least a year, if not two years later, uh, when when they showed up. Well, well, who were they? First question: We we really don't know. Like I said, magi, kings, wise men. Probably they were astrologers, philosophers, wise men, powerful men. They we we know at least they had some money. That they had education. Possibly they were Jews that had been left over from uh, from captivity back uh, when Israel was taken captive to Babylon, but. But somehow, whether God spoke to them in a special vision, somehow they chose to go. And finally, of course, the one showed up that should. Someone with presents, with gold, myrrh, frankincense, some stuff to show up with that, that was in honor of the king. And, and yet that even didn't make sense. It was guys that were from thousands of miles away. And they showed up not on the night, but, but a year later. But what did they do? We, we see what they did. Uh, they, they offered gifts. If you read in Matthew chapter 2, it tells us they didn't just offer gift, but they offered a gesture. It said these wise men came and they, they humbled themselves. They bowed down before the Christ child. We're, we're going to show just a quick video. I want you to watch this uh, as we get ready to close. I thought you said we lost him. I found you all! <laughs> Thank goodness for that star. If it weren't for that star, I wouldn't have found you guys. Pretty convenient that now you can read the stars. Oh no, just that big super bright one. I mean, it's like, boom, blam! <laughs> but I'm still gonna need directions home. Can someone write that down for me? We don't have time for this. We're going to see the Messiah. <laughs> Look at us, the four wise men. We're inseparable. More like insufferable. Speaking of suffering, my feet can't taste much more walking. It's been three years. We should have been home by now. You guys can blame me all day for losing those camels, but you all knew going into this that my double hitch knot needed a little work. <clears throat> Why don't we proceed in silence, reverent silence? in honor of the Messiah. Totally cool with that. Good. So, I was thinking about my gift. I mean, what baby needs white jade anyway, right? We've been over this a thousand times. White jade represents his purity and goodness. The gold represents his royalty. 
The burning of frankincense reminds us that the aura of God is around us at all times, and the myrrh is to anoint him as king of kings. Wait, 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 wait. just listen, listen. I think, I think I found a better gift. A gift that'll make everyone forget that I lost the white jade. You what? I mean, I think a gift that makes the white jade just look like nothing. A gift that's better than the white jade that I replaced. You replaced with what? The greatest gift of all. Oh yeah. Wait for it. Wait for it. Blam! Hummus! <laughs> you must be kidding. Do you mean you must be kidding? Because <gasps> I'm not. I'm not kidding at all. Hummus is delicious. Okay, and and it's very. It's very symbolic. People unite together when they see hummus. Much like a savior. Okay, okay. This is my bad. This is on me. You guys go see the Messiah. I'll just stay here. I think that would be best. But at least you have a snack. Yeah. I just thought... It just doesn't matter what we bring this little king. He doesn't need any of our gifts. I mean, you know, he's a savior. I mean, he's a, he's a gift to us. Maybe I was hoping he's bigger than all my mistakes. Yeah, I guess that's what I was hoping. All right, I'll see you guys later. Why are you doing that? Because I hope he's that kind of a savior too. Let's go. I wish someone had some pita bread. Blam! The gift of Christmas, uh, who was invited? The not so obvious. We also see the odd and then the of course, but even with the of course, it, it wasn't the ones you expected. But you do see a thread that that kind of runs through here. Through here, you you see with the with the the parents with Mary and Joseph, the humble, yet they were obedient. You see with the odd, the 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 not expecting. They weren't looking for. They weren't thinking about the Messiah at all, and yet they were obedient. And, and then you see an element of royalty in the wise men, and yet they were obedient. So who's invited? Really, the one that is invited, and I think the reason we see such an odd collection of people is that God wants us to come to Him with that heart and with that attitude. Not expensive gifts, not gifts that, that, that are nothing from our heart, but gifts that simply honor Him. Did I mention that Reed and I missed our first grandson's birth? I, I, I mentioned that Crystal asked, and all she could think about was, someone's got to let the dogs out. And when no, no one volunteered, she finally looked at us and said, Mom and Dad, with tears, Mom and Dad, will you let the dogs out? Not who let the dogs, but will you let the dogs out? And so we drove as fast as we could to their home about 20, 25 minutes away and 
let the dogs out to do their business, jumped back in the car and drove as fast as we can. Now, I'd love to say that while we were driving it, we were feeling really good about what we were doing. I, I would love to say that it was like, Chris will ask us, so this is good. Hey, Nick's parents and his sisters get to be there. I'd love to say that, but that would be lying because we, we weren't real happy with his sisters. Uh, they should have been the ones to volunteer. And we still talk about that occasionally. I don't think we've quite let go of that yet, but, but we drove back when we, when the elevator doors opened and we stepped off onto the floor of the delivery area, we were met by Nick's mom who said, Devin's here. And all we could think about was we missed it. We missed it. But when we got to a few minutes later to the room and got to see our grandson and walked up to our daughter who had just given birth, you know what her first question was? Her first statement was, Mom, Dad, thanks. Thanks for going home and letting the dogs out. Thanks for doing what I ask you to do. Thanks for being humble and doing that. We're called. We're called. We're invited to Christmas. We're invited to come to Him with humble hearts to offer the simplest gift that we have, and that's a simple gift of obedience. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you. As we see the story of the birth of your son, it is riddled with, with things that to our mind doesn't make sense. Certainly things that didn't make sense to those in that day. There was no fanfare. There was no trumpets. There was no royalty. Father, it was the most humble of births with the most humble of people uh, there. But Father, we're reminded that that's how you chose to come into the world because that's who Jesus would be. He would be a humble servant, a, a humble one who sacrificed his life. Father, help us learn uh, as you brought Jesus that way that that's how you want us to approach the throne today. You want us to empty ourselves just like you emptied yourself and Christ emptied himself. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning and there's a decision you'd like to share, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.